I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we've made it to August! Specifically, the episode of NXT that aired originally on August 7th, 2013. This episode is pretty good. I could make a list of all the things I liked about it, but honestly, uh, list making never really been my thing. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Not to worry, though, because this week we're joined by the list maker himself, Dan Mulcairn. I'm still a little baffled as to how exactly that became my thing, but apparently that's my thing. <laughs> Welcome to episode 12 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, we said goodbye to the Wyatt family. But this episode, we say hello to Dan Mulcairn of the Smash Fiction Podcast. What's up, y'all? Our friend, our nemesis. No. I've been trying to sell him on, I mean, my nemesis, I don't know about you, Bob, but oh, okay. he beats me in Smash <laughs> Fiction way too often for that not to be the case. Fair enough. I've been trying to sell him on pro wrestling uh, to varying degrees. For like 15 years now, uh, Dan, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Oh, my pleasure. I, I, my history with loving pro wrestling is a bit checkered, shall we say? But my history of loving your guys' show is completely 100% positive. Aww. So uh, I'm very happy to be here. Oh well, thank you, Dan. Dan's gonna join us today for Bob's breakdown, as well as the sight, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling and the cheap pop quiz. But first, we need to talk about last episode's cheap pop quiz. Bob, are you ready? I think I got maybe a point, so I'm very ready. All right, let's check it out. Question number one. There's a new face on commentary next episode, and it's someone we've previously seen in a different capacity. Is it A, Baron Corbin? B, Steel Horse, Alex Riley? C, Renee Young? D, Corey Graves? Or E, Sylvester LaForte. Bob, you chose Alex Riley, a.k.a. Yes. Steel Horse, from episode 5 of GLOW, and you are correct! Oh, thank God. Question number two. As you know, next episode features a dance battle between Emma and Summer Rae. What is not among the dance moves that Emma pulls out during this epic confrontation? Is it A, the Emma dance? B, the chicken dance? C, the one-legged chicken dance, also known as the funky chicken or the white boy dance. D, the Macarena. Or E, the advanced shopping cart. And by the way, I made a mistake when I wrote the cheap pop quiz last time. She actually calls it the advanced shopping trolley, not shopping cart. Mm. Uh, well, you just automatically translated it as well. Yeah, I was about to say, because she is super fucking Australian. <laughs> Bob, you chose C, the funky chicken or the white boy dance. And of course, that unfortunately was incorrect. Uh, Emma did do that dance move thing, whatever it is. I <laughs> actually spent more time than I'd care to admit researching it. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, she did not, however, do the Macarena. So that I was the correct answer. Such low hanging fruit, Emma. 
<laughs> and question three. What do we learn in the next episode about Leo Kruger's childhood? A. When he was a kid, all the other kids used to laugh at him, and when he takes Bo Dallas's championship, all the kids are going to laugh at Bo Dallas. B. When he was a kid, all the other kids were afraid of him, and he's going to make Bo Dallas fear him as well. C. When he was a kid, all the other kids called him crazy, and he's going to show Bo Dallas just how crazy he is. D. When he was a kid, all the other kids would play hide-and-seek, and he hunted down every one of them, <laughs> just like he's going to hunt down Bo Dallas. Or E, when he was a kid, all the other kids would make fun of the way he played with his hair. So he <laughs> killed them all. <laughs> Just like he's going to kill Bo Dallas. Bobby chose the answer C. Uh, all the kids called him crazy, and he's going to show Bo just how crazy he is. Unfortunately, the correct answer was A. They just laughed at him. That's all they did. They uh, laughed at him, and uh, and now all the kids are going to laugh at Bo. So. so whoever wrote that package was wrong. C was the correct answer and what they should have done. Yeah, that, that question was born out of me hearing that from this one that we're covering today and being like, wait, that's it? They just laughed at you? Like, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't do anything? <laughs> and, and for no reason that I could discern, like, in yeah! the story he tells, yeah. they're just like, oh, what's your name? And he says, Leo Kruger, and then they start laughing. It's like, is there something inherently funny about that name that I'm missing? Like, what's, Which is what's going hilarious, on there? because there's something inherently funny about many NXT names, but not this one. Yeah. So, I don't know. None of it makes any sense. That's why I went on the cheap pop quiz. Thank you I so much. I mean, if much. you want to talk about, like, unreliable narrators, I do feel like Leo Kruger is probably near the top of that list. So oh, who can say I what happened it. there? Oh, yeah. He is up there. All right. Well, we're going to get into Bob's breakdown. But first, I just wanted to talk to our guest, Dan Mulcairin, for Yay. a minute. Dan. Uh, yes. You have watched... <laughs> You've been exposed to pro wrestling, you know, to varying degrees, mainly through me, I think. That's correct. And uh, had you watched NXT before you started listening to our show? No, this was uh, the first time I had watched it. When you guys invited me to go on the show, uh, I decided to catch up with all of the episodes that you guys had watched up to that point. So that is what I have seen so far. So, Dan, I just have to ask you, like... We'll get to your specific thoughts on this episode as we go in, but I'm very curious. NXT as a whole, you've watched 11 episodes of the damn thing. What do you think? Well, so it's interesting because the first time I really sat down to like watch an entire episode of wrestling, uh, it was Raw back oh. in, you know, circa like 2004-ish, yeah, okay. whenever it was that you first made me watch pro wrestling. <laughs> God, yeah, I was still watching Raw back then. Go on. <laughs> yeah, and, and Raw is a two-hour show, which has, I think, roughly as many actual in-ring matches as a one-hour episode of NXT. And, like, the rest of Raw is just kind of filled out by bullshit. I got some bad news for you, Dan. Raw's actually yeah. a three-hour show. <laughs> Oh, buddy. Oh, man. I don't think it was back in 2004, but now it certainly is. But what you said still applies. Ah. Yeah. So, like, so the first thing that I noticed about NXT in comparison to that was just, like, there's a lot less bullshit. There's just a lot more, like, people getting in the ring and doing cool athletic stuff. Yeah. So I definitely appreciate that adjustment of the proportion of it. I'm like, yeah, man, just cut to the good stuff. Like, that's what we're here for. Yeah. So uh, who's your favorite character so far, Dan? Uh, Xavier Woods. I had a feeling. <laughs> I mean, the guy who says he's from Angel Grove and is basically like an extra Power Ranger. Yeah. Uh, why even have anyone else on the roster as far as I'm concerned? <laughs> although, 
Until he was introduced, Paige was my favorite, I will mm. say. All right. She's pretty great. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, appreciate that uh, that little overview of where you are coming into this, Dan. Again, we're super thrilled to have you on. Appreciate your presence. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you more over the course of Bob's Breakdown. So at the beginning, we get a recap of the episode. And the narrator refers to Bo Dallas as the controversial NXT champion. <laughs> I thought that was a really interesting pronunciation of reviled. <laughs> and then one of the announcers starts the episode off saying Tyler Breeze has entered the building. Is this going to be a thing, Miles? Is this my life now? Uh, yes, this is definitely your life for a little while, at least to hear. To have it be announced at you when Tyler Breeze has entered and left the building. Yes. (laughs) Can I drop a couple of thoughts that I have about the show right at the top of the show? Yeah, go for it. So first of all, Miles, I feel like you really buried the lead on NXT because you did not tell me that the theme song was Welcome Home by Coheed and Cambria. Oh, so... (laughs) That was a shock the first time I watched that episode. Oh my god, I know. Yeah, that's actually, uh, spoiler alert, that's the best theme NXT ever has. <laughs> and I mean, it changes numerous times. Oh man, yeah, that's, I was like, what is this? So anyway. It fucking slaps, huh? That immediately kicked the uh, the show up a couple of notches in my book. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it is. I, I now have a Pavlovian reaction to it. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Uh, the other thing is that, like, as someone whose uh, exposure to pro wrestling has mainly been through shows like Raw and SmackDown, I was surprised by how small that NXT arena is. Yeah. yeah. I was like, are there, like, are there seats that I'm not seeing that stretch <laughs> up, like, many, many rows past what I'm obviously seeing? And no, it's just like a little room where where some people are wrestling. I love it. I feel it feels like black box theater, but like black box wrestling. Totally. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, but NXT doesn't tour. You know, at least not in, in these days. So every episode is just filmed in that arena at Full Sail University. And Full Sail University, you know, not exactly the biggest college on the planet. So um, <laughs> Also, I believe a private college. So Yes, it is a private for-profit a college. A money laundering scheme. Primarily dedicated <laughs> to sports and sports media. <laughs> oh, um, Jesus. But yeah, no, it's a great little, like, compared to big, like, arenas where the main roster tour is absolutely much more intimate. And you get the same people there every time. So, like, there's actually a real guarantee that everybody in the crowd knows the stories and can participate in them. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's cool. I like it. All right. Match one. My Hobbit love. So Adrian Neville comes out in some silver thigh-high boots that make him look like an extra from the Shires production of Rocky Horror. I was, you know what? I kid. He was absolutely cast as Riff Raff. He was not an extra. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely, yeah, I kid. Man, I tell you what, next D&D game I play in, I'm definitely going to play Adrian Neville as a halfling monk. Oh it's just going to happen. With the personality of Riff Raff? Oh, sure. Yeah. Why the hell not? <laughs> so Dean Ambrose comes out scowling in his flak jacket like an angry professor who's given up on publishing and now just collects knives and has a creepy number of Punisher stickers on his office door. <laughs> so that that's the read you got on his physicality? Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Like, I was looking at him and I was like, he kind of looks like 
your friend's dad that would always tell you about how he used to be in a band. Like, that was kind of the vibe I was getting from really? him. Okay, so I, my other read on him was, like, the neighbor that calls codes a lot. Who's <laughs> like, your grass is too loud. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? I mean, I guess, I guess he could be all three of those things. <laughs> my read on him was, like, the secondary villain in, like, a, a young adult fantasy movie <gasps> where it's like, oh you know, God. in between fighting the dragon, the, the teenage <sighs> hero comes back to his like hometown has, you know, gets bullied for a while and then like produces a sword and at the end of the second act and kicks their ass. <laughs> something right. like that. He's like working for John Malkovich or something. Yeah, that's right. This is going to be a poll. I'm putting this up <laughs> as a poll to determine what Dean Ambrose's real backstory is. Because it sure as fuck is not that he is any kind of, like, pretend cop. There's enough fanfic out there on him. I'm sure you could probably tell us, Bob. I don't understand it. I mean, uh, maybe I will. Maybe someday I'll get this. I just, I don't want to know how Dean Ambrose fucks, but that's a (laughs) fight for another day. (laughs) All right, so Ambrose starts off the match just bullying Neville in the corner and even getting his armpit up in Neville's face. Ambrose swings him at the ropes and Neville bounces off and slides between Ambrose's legs like an outtake from Home Alone. (laughs) And then Neville comes up at him with those gleaming go-go dancer thighs and wraps his legs around Ambrose and drags him to the mat, which I was very pleased to see. Mm. And then Neville just pops back up like an adorable Hobbit-flavored (laughs) Pop-Tart. And he drags Ambrose to the corner for a- Hobbit-flavored? Yeah, I was thinking, like, they wh- know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but the other thing was going to be mushroom-flavored, because Ob's, like, Hobbits I just want to call the cops on your kitchen, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> How many Hobbits do you have trapped in there? <laughs> no, That you're making like, Pop-Tarts out of. Yeah, I think it's very telling that she was like, well, I could say mushroom-flavored, but that wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> Hobbit-flavored. Hobbit-flavored. That makes sense. Fine, mushroom-flavored Pop-Tart. So, Neville drags Ambrose to the corner for a headfirst encounter with the turnbuckle. Guys, turnbuckle. Turnbuckle. Dan? Oh, sorry, turnbuckle. Absolutely. (laughs) Show some respect. (laughs) (laughs) Ambrose tries to come after Neville, who does one of those handstands on the top rope while Ambrose runs underneath him and then pushes off to do some sick backflips. He's like a very tiny Captain America or Spider-Man or some other superhero. And this is just for my enjoyment. Dan Miles, which Marvel or DC character would you compare Adrian Neville to? Hmm. Hmm. Somebody with, like we talked about before, like somebody with supreme body control. Um, Like maybe the Beast? Oh, Beast is a good one. Yeah. Honestly, like I could kind of see him being like one of the Robins. Oh, Okay. Sure, yeah, you know, I can see that. Yeah, I'll- maybe like Red Hood because he has a certain degree of like brawniness to his acrobatics. Yeah, I mean he's very Dorito shaped for being tiny. Yeah, like there's a couple of people in the NXT roster that I feel like their proportions are just kind of weird. Like Adrian <laughs> Neville's biceps are roughly the size of his head. Yeah. And like, I feel like there's a couple of people on the roster who were like, you put him in a character creator and just hit random on the proportions. And you're <laughs> oh, like, no. okay, yeah. Like Biggie Langston has a torso in the shape of an ice cream cone, but sure, <laughs> that works. I think that Adrian Neville like, I might cast him to play Adam X the Extreme. Oh, jeez. That's pretty good. Wait, who's that? 
Uh, okay. We can't. We don't okay. have time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll look it up later. Okay. Go listen to yep. Jane Miles explain the X-Men. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So Ambrose wanders after him slowly enough for Neville to leap at him in a beautiful crossbody that says, fuck off back to the main roster, you lank haired dickhead, <laughs> which is very much the message I got from it. Right. And then Ambrose is down on the mat now and Neville's twisting his arm and Ambrose struggles out to clothesline Neville. But Neville comes out to kick the fuck out of Ambrose's throat. <laughs> and Ambrose gets out of the ring to reconsider his life choices as a human bag of garbage who goes around interrupting NXT when Bob is just trying to enjoy some good elf hobbit action. I love how you're like perceiving the shield as I feel like you're supposed to be feeling toward them, which is as intruders, like as people who need to fuck off your shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, get out of here. Hey, who let you people in? Yeah, it's very much how I feel. Like, you're, you don't belong and you don't get it. Yeah. You come in here with your crossovers? None of that. <laughs> you see how many seats are in here? Yeah, you don't belong in here. <laughs> yeah. Neville comes after him, but gets another clothesline and goes down. And then back from commercial, we see Ambrose being... Such an asshole. Slamming his foot on Neville, stepping on his chest, kneeing him in the gut, drop kicking him in the chest, doing some backbending submission holds. Professor Ambrose's PhD might be in cellular biology, but he clearly got a minor's degree from the Purple Nurple Bullying Studies program. <laughs> and then Neville comes back in a big way, knocking Ambrose down repeatedly, but Ambrose goes outside the ring again to do some sullen sweating in peace. And then Neville does a flying move, bowling Professor Asshole to the ground, chucks him back to the ring and sets up the red arrow. And just when it looks like he's about to pin Ambrose, stupid fucking Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns come out to save Ambrose and kick Neville. But then, thank God, Corey Graves and Xavier Woods run out to chase off the shield. And Miles, I have so many questions about okay, how, how things like this work. So it's essentially a crossover. Is the intention of these crossovers primarily to put over uh, uh, folks uh, in the developmental promotion? Pretty much, yes. Okay. Um, it's arguable how much it works because they're also there's also very much a perception that like the main roster wrestlers need to be seen as better yeah. than the developmental NXT wrestlers. So I think... We're going to talk about this more later, but, like, this set of tapings is weirdly main roster heavy. Like, mm. for whatever reason, you know what it probably was is that Raw and SmackDown or whatever pay-per-view they were doing were in Florida for the weekend. And it was the same weekend they were doing a taping at Full Sail. And so since all the guys were there, they decided to just, like, bring him in and do some shit for a few episodes with the NXT stars. Mm. You know, it's partly an attempt to get the NXT wrestlers over by pitting them against main roster talent. And in this case, certainly, you know, it looked like Neville was going to win the United States Championship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that was what I got off of it. Like, it, it looked to me like they were trying to say, hey, Neville is at least as good of a wrestler as Dean Ambrose. Yeah. Like it. And were it not for the intervention of Ambrose's buddies, like the title absolutely would have changed hands then and there. Right. It's in their best interest to say that. Change the name of the shield, Dean Ambrose and his buddies. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's, I think it's partially that and partially just like, hey, the guys were there, you know? Okay. And then here's my essay question. To what extent are wrestling matches choreographed and rehearsed ahead of time? It completely depends. It's, there is no standard. 
the wrestlers themselves generally decide how much rehearsal they go through. Um, there are some wrestlers, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage comes to mind, who was notorious for meticulously planning out every move and every match, and we're going to do it this way, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we do this, and then we do this. And there are other wrestlers, like, uh, you know, I... I guess the ultimate warrior kind of comes to mind. Um, but, you know, there are guys that are just like, they just show up. They're just like, all right, cool. We're going for how long and you're pinning me? Great. Awesome. I'm going to go have a drink now. You know what I mean? Wow. It depends on how seriously they take, they take their job. Now, in developmental, I imagine they're a little bit more scripted because they are learning. But in general, it's completely up in the air. You never know. Okay. I just thought it was really interesting because so I've done theater and I, a very tiny amount of improv stuff. And I just cannot imagine being blasé about things where the outcome could be, well, you might not walk again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You could just be paralyzed. Yeah. That's not a thing where you go. Eh, it's probably yeah. okay. And usually only the, the top level talent are trusted with like just doing their own thing. You know, if you're not, if you don't have a proven track record for years and years of being able, being able to go out there and have a good match and not injure somebody, you're not going to be allowed to do it, I would think. But mm. then again, you know, I mean, who knows? Somebody recently got fired because they allowed somebody to, uh, it was a backstage guy got fired from WWE for allowing a performer to compete drunk. So <gasps> who ah. knows? Thank you, Miles. You're welcome. So now we go backstage to a heartfelt conversation between Enzo and Cass and Sylvester LaFour <laughs> and Scott Dawson. Heartfelt. <laughs> uh, as close to heartfelt as they are capable of, one assumes. So uh -huh. Enzo has go faster stripes shaved into his head, which is like souping up a 1997 Chrysler Neon. <laughs> So Enzo and Cass came to let Dawson know that Mason Ryan's a piece of cake and then to crow about how Dawson is going to be destroyed by Ryan. And then in the background, Goofy Dreadlock guy makes an appearance once more. Yeah, I have to say, like the, the New Jersey boys with the redneck, with the Frenchman, <laughs> with the hippie. Yeah, I mean, it was like WWE's three favorite go to heel stereotypes. <laughs> like, we just kind of need someone from like a predominantly Muslim country. And right. then that's it. Like, we're set. Right. And I have to say, like, pairing Enzo Amore with Cassidy is such a baffling decision because Enzo Amore is this like a fountain of charisma. <laughs> and Cassidy is just like occasionally will chip in and like he's like this towering hype man for Enzo Amore. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's Enzo uh Enzo definitely has it going on, you know, like in terms of on the mic. Uh in the ring, you know, meh. That might be where Cass uh, has the advantage, but who knows? It is one of those things where if somebody asks like what's his defining sort of personality thing about Cass. They're like, oh, he's tall. And you're like, that's not really a personality quirk. That's just a descriptor. They're like, yeah. That's all, uh -huh. that's all he's got, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's that's it. Bob, you think you, you worried a little bit about Mason Ryan when he goes up against Scott Dawson? Um, no. I'm not. <laughs> not because I, I just think it would be weird if Mason Ryan lost to Scott Dawson. It would just uh -huh. be such a weird beat to have in the story. But, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like it's going to be kind of sexy. 
<laughs> yeah, you guys laugh. You haven't seen it yet. We don't know. It could be very That's sexy. True. It could be sexy. I have seen it, but no, I'm not was telling. was it? Oh, you're not telling? <laughs> A gentleman never tells. That's right. Uh, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I, I have thoughts. <laughs> Vis-a-vis sexiness? Yeah, although I will say, this is not... I have no desire to write fanfic about this. Like, I want to draw that line about it. I will say, Bob, I, I think in general, your level of optimism for the sexiness of any given situation is significantly higher than the norm. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm in a room, the average just gets so weird. Yeah, exactly. It really throws off the curve. <laughs> Okay, so match two, question mark? Like, (laughs) I don't even know what to call it. So it's a dance battle to determine who gets a shot at the NXT Women's Championship. I'm sorry, have I stumbled into one of Monty Python's and now for something completely different sketches? (laughs) Miles, wrestling is a workplace drama. Can you unpack for me how this madness fits into the otherwise normal quote unquote workplace drama is this like one of those weird filler episodes they have to do when the anime is waiting for the manga to catch up i think this is the lightning round actually right (laughs) i mean you know (laughs) (laughs) no i don't miles i don't I mean, they were backstage before, and Dusty Rhodes was like, he was the, he's the boss, he's the guy in charge, and he seemed to sanction a, a dance contest that would determine the number one contender. So, But that would be like if in your workplace, like, well, we're going to go up for promotion. Normally, we would review your past accomplishments. However, <laughs> this time, we decided to have a hot dog eating contest. <laughs> It's super high stakes casual Friday, Bob. That's what it is. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. Am I going to see a lot of other things where they just go, yeah, it's a workplace drama, but we're going to resolve this through different means that we would normally use? No. Oh, what? Like, we're not going to see a a model off or, you know, something like from Cutthroat Kitchen or... This is pretty much, to my knowledge, this is pretty much the only time you're going to see anything like this in NXT... I mean, maybe. Who knows? I don't remember everything, but on the main (laughs) roster, they'll have like, you know, sometimes they'll have like arm wrestling contests. Oh, that's cute. You know, stuff like that. It's not usually for something, though, which I think is like (laughs) the weird thing about this dance battle. Like dance battles happen in wrestling all the time, but you don't usually get a title shot. What? What? (laughs) Dance battles happen in wrestling all the time. It happens a lot. I mean, relatively to what you would expect. Oh, okay. All right. It's not like every other week, but like uh, this is far from the first or last dance battle in WWE or indeed wrestling history. Okay. I mean, I've heard there's such a thing as a tuxedo match, which I'm very, I know there probably won't be one in NXT, but God, I want to see one. Yeah. uh, There are, there are matches with really weird stipulations like the tuxedo match. Dan, do you know what a tuxedo match is? I am not aware of what a tuxedo oh, match is. I hope you tell me, though. it's the fucking sexiest kind of match I can imagine. D- is the goal to get your opponent out of their tuxedo? That Miles, is that is the goal, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Right! It's like, why don't they just lower the lights and play some, like, 70s porn music? 
you know, that's pretty good. Like, uh, I'm I'm aware of the existence of bra and panties matches, yep. which are about getting your opponent down to those. Right. So I'm glad that there's a male equivalent. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, and you definitely don't see either one of those way more often than their counterparts. It's fine. <laughs> um, uh, gender politics and wrestling. <laughs> All right. So I think to the surprise of no one, Summer Rae has some classical dance background and is doing her dancing in heels. And mm-hmm. Emma is doing the dancing that you get at the tail end of a wedding with an open bar. Yeah, I don't know how Emma got a hold of videos of me dancing at weddings, but like <laughs> she's clearly been studying my Did moves. you feel personally don't, don't attacked? Uh, I was just like, oh man, my, like, I, I have never felt more connected to Emma than I do in this moment when she's busting <laughs> out the funky chicken. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I had secondhand, like, embarrassment because I was like, oh, that's what I do. Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> I mean, the audience was into it. There's that. I mean, the audience was super into it. The audience is actually really into this entire show. Oh, yeah. Like, Honestly, the crowd is kind of the story of this episode in a lot of ways, which I'm sure we'll talk about more when we get to Dallas versus Kruger. Oh, boy. But yeah, the crowd is super into this. And what's really interesting to me about this is that for a minute, they're really into Summer Rae. Yeah, I I felt that one second where they were kind of like, oh, the fuck, you can do this thing. Yeah, but then it was just like, oh, but we're supposed to hate you, so we're gonna hate you. It like yeah. it was much less of a, much less a dance off and much more a popularity contest. Yeah. So I, I want to talk more about that particular dance that Summer Rae does a little bit later. Okay. Well, so Emma wins because the audience loves her and hates Summer Rae, yeah. and then Summer yeah. Rae flips the fuck out and lunges at Emma, getting a leg around her and then slams her to the mat, and she does it in heels. Yep respect that's pretty incredible this whole thing like really makes me wonder can you boil every conflict in wwe down to snobs versus slobs Mm. no but many of them (laughs) yeah like at the very least a significant proportion i feel like you could you could file under that category yeah for sure now i'm gonna be looking for outliers So now we get a Leo Kruger package about how everyone is going to laugh at Bo Dallas. He calls Bo Dallas Bobo Dallas. (laughs) It was so stupid, but it made me so happy. (laughs) A plus. It's not even a joke. There's not a joke or punchline to that. It's just that he said his first name twice, and that was sufficient for me. All right, match three, Danny Birch is there and looks like they just found him in a pub and shoved him into a singlet. And then uh, Tyler Breeze Zoolanders into the arena and then lounges on the top rope like he's doing a Zsa Zsa Gabor cosplay. <laughs> and Birch comes for Breeze who meets him with a punch and then Birch gets him with a kick to the tum-tum. But Breeze kicks him back and then goes to check his hair on the phone camera. Hair is acceptable. So he stalks over to Birch and leaps up for a really shockingly high spinning kick to Birch's face. It looked very wire foo and mm-hmm. then pins him and it's over. So then I didn't have to look at Tyler Breeze anymore. So there you go. Boy, do I have some thoughts on Tyler Breeze. Please. <laughs> well, so shortly after I watched this match, uh, I was hanging out with some friends, one of whom was smash fiction zone, Liz Logan. Uh-huh. And uh, I-, I told her that I had discovered her spirit wrestler and put on, <laughs> Put on this match, and she was like, yep, that's me. That's that's who I am. 
<laughs> oh my god oh my god now i can't hate tyler breeze because i love liz oh man like i this whole thing kind of mystifies me like i was never sure why zoolander in 2001 felt it necessary to lampoon male models as like aggressively <laughs> and specifically as it did and like zoolander 2 was even less sensical for that reason yeah. so like Putting up Tyler Breeze as a male model here feels so weird because, like, you could very easily call him an influencer, given yeah. that he never puts his phone down. Like, it, I, I don't know why they're calling him a male model when, <laughs> like, I mean, there's a much more, like, relevant term you could use. I mean, I know he's explicitly doing Zoolander. Oh, yeah. it Like, he's blue stealing essentially yeah. constantly. I Like, it's, it's interesting to me because, to me, it feels like the crowd does a complete 180 with this guy. Like, at the start of the episode, you know, the in-ring announcer announces that Tyler Breeze has entered the building and they start, like, booing him. Uh -huh. And then, like, basically from his entrance at the start of the match on, they are really on his side. Like, they're they're chanting, like, this is awesome as his <laughs> entrance is wrapping up. And, like, it, he's obviously posed to be a heel and the audience, like, knows to play along with it, but they clearly love him is, yeah. is the impression I get from that. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember also really hating him when I first saw him. Okay. I was like, this was one of the early episodes that I watched of NXT because I came in around this time, as we've been discussing. And it's it's the kind of thing that WWE normally does incredibly poorly. Mm -hmm. And personally, I would eventually grow to love Tyler Breeze. And I, I don't know if that's going to be the case for, for Bob as well. But um, it's one of those characters that they have such a long history of making incredibly stupid and fucking up and they don't like, they don't drop the ball on him and the crowd does really love him. And it's just really interesting. Tyler Breeze is such a weird story. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm, I, I will tentatively stay on this train and uh, not write him off yet. All right. So backstage it's Bo Dallas with Renee Young. Make it stop! <laughs> <laughs> he keeps referring to Cesaro and Zayn as good kids, and he blames Sami Zayn for the fact that he got pinned by Kruger. All right, I don't want to talk about this more than I have to, but I just want to say the amount of smiling Bo does makes him look like a serial killer, and he has the cold, dead eyes of a Funko Pop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this is interesting, because, like, between Leo Kruger, Tyler Breeze... Bo Dallas and Dean Ambrose, like, there's a lot of guys in this episode who really straddle the line between being a face and being a heel, mm. yeah. you know, between, like, what their official kind of designation is and how the audience treats them. I don't know, yeah. I just, I found that really interesting. I think the audience is still trying to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, not with Bo, but... <laughs> <laughs> They have very we'll clear see. emotions. Yeah, they, they understand how they feel about Bo. <laughs> uh... I mean, but yeah. it's all like relative too. like, you know, part of their support for Kruger is the fact they hate Bo so much, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Okay, so match four. I mean, I am excited about this match, but also like, oh, fucking talking about Bo Dallas. Okay. Leo Kruger enters and then stops at the end of the ramp to do some inexplicable half squats. He does the who, who, yeah. who, who. When you are the blood sport version of the most interesting man in the world, every day is like day. <laughs> That's right. And then Bodalis enters, and you know what? The crowd tolerates it. <laughs> <laughs> don't they don't rise up and murder I mean, him? So do they? 
Uh, uh, look, he got there. Nobody threw anything at him. I mean, that would just be rude. I feel like Bo Dallas in the episodes that I've seen anyway has like a very vocal 5% support base in the audience. <laughs> like there's a small percentage of people that do genuinely seem to enjoy him and make their their opinions known. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that Enough to the point that I'm like, well, okay, he's not completely hated. He's just very largely hated. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about this episode is that I feel like, Bob, do you feel like the, the, the writers, the creative team of NXT still thinks Bo Dallas is a hero? I think they're I they better be moving towards a shift as if they're not, then something's very weird. I uh-huh. That's what I, it felt I, like to me. I don't think they think of him as a hero anymore, personally. I mean, you're yeah. probably right, but I'm much slower to pick up the ball on these things. I, I, I feel like as of was it the, the previous episode when he did the tag match with Sami Zayn? Yeah, uh, yeah, because like that to me was a match where it was like. Bo Dallas is messing this up for the both of them. Uh-huh. Like th- that's what that match said to me. And like his his whole interview with Renee in this episode was very much him dripping with condescension and a yeah. complete lack of self awareness about like how competent he is versus everyone else. Yeah, I agree. And then he wrestles this ma- main event match, and we'll let Bob go through it. But he wrestles this match in a way that I don't think we've seen him wrestle a match before. So the match starts and Kruger gets the ref between himself and Dallas and uses the moment to kick Dallas in the gut and then gets him in the corner enough just to stomp him like a roach that will not die. <laughs> and then Dallas comes back enough for some drop kicks and then he begins working some arm submission stuff on Kruger, at which point I'm going, what the fuck? Uh-huh. And Kruger is acting like this sort of hurts, but Miles, the idea of Kruger even being able to experience pain seems <laughs> so at odds with his character. Like, to me, I'm going, oh, no, Leo Kruger has to be in a submission hold for foreplay reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that's his face. You don't know. <laughs> you know what? There we go. There's Googling this fanfic right now. <laughs> so... Kruger gets Dallas on the ropes and then runs at him to flip them both over the top and onto the outside. And then back in the ring, Kruger starts to set up Dallas for a suplex off the top rope. But when Dallas starts to punch back to stop him, Kruger hits the pause button and just headbutts Dallas. Oh, I loved that so much. Yeah, that's good. But unfortunately, it's not enough to get Dallas to give up. And he battles back and gets enough distance from Kruger to fly at him, collapsing them both to the mat. And then the camera zooms in on Kruger with his mouth open. Like Edvard munches the scream. <laughs> like he has heard of what a human face expressing surprise should look like, but is only now getting around to experiencing it. And then the pace speeds up as Dallas knocks Kruger down over and over and then walks up the ropes and over Kruger's shoulder for another smack onto the mat. And Kruger is dazed in the middle of the ring. And then the ref pulls Dallas over. This is my interpretation of what that conversation was. <laughs> Look, there is absolutely nothing you could do to make this audience give one dried shit about you. <laughs> Have you ever considered other careers? Bo Dallas ignores it and continues the assault. The ref is yelling, stop trying to find approval from outside. You have to find <laughs> approval within. Dallas, struck by the profundity of these words, goes to the rope to do some self-reflection. That moment does happen. He does go to the ropes and stares out into the crowd with this like <laughs> shocked look on his face. 
and then back to Kruger, beating on him as if he can silence his own inner demons. But inner demons are powerful. Kruger jumps up and down in the middle of the ring like a psycho and falls on Dallas, arms flying. He goes for a submission hold. Dallas's free arm is flying back and forth like he's arm wrestling with a swole ghost. <laughs> he struggles out and Kruger screams, banging his fist against his head before going to the top rope. But as he comes streaking down at Dallas, Dallas gets his knees up. The knees of denial against the power of his own inner truth that no amount of matches will make the audience love him. <laughs> and finally, to silence this reality for good, he puts Kruger in a submission hold and Kruger taps out. Dallas lives in denial another day. <laughs> mm. I know. Man, oh man. Once Kruger's hair comes out of his ponytail, he literally transforms into Vigo Mortensen. Like, <laughs> you can't convince me that's not him. Bo Dallas looks a lot like Leonardo DiCaprio, mm. but Kruger is Vigo Mortensen. You know, I wondered who he looks like, and that is exactly correct. Yeah, the, the transformation is, is jaw-dropping. <laughs> who wins that match, Vigo Mortensen or DiCaprio? Oh. oh, like in, in real life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Mortensen is like way older than DiCaprio, is But isn't also he? like way more wiry and, you know, <clears throat> fighting. I know, like 10 years ago, I feel like I said Mortensen in the walk, but I'm not sure, man. DiCaprio, oh, that, yeah. is, that is fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you've, you've got it exactly right. If we're <laughs> setting it nowadays, I think DiCaprio takes it. I mean, yeah. is this pre or post winning an Oscar? Because if an Oscar is on the line, I feel like he would do anything. <laughs> But now he has one. It's like he has nothing approved. He's not as hungry anymore, you feel like? I feel, yeah. I mean, after that, it's like, you know, he's lost his edge. What's he going to do? Get another one? Sure. I don't know. I haven't kept up with him. No one wins two Oscars. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Miles, I have multiple questions. Okay. Okay. Hit me. This match didn't make any sense to me because Kruger doesn't seem like the type who would tap out. Dallas doesn't seem like the type of character that would win with a submission move. Mm-hmm. And originally my thought was, is this bad storytelling? But no, maybe it's good storytelling that I am not seeing the direction that it's going yet. But you and Dan are going like, ah, this is a heel turn happening. I mean, I I don't, you know, not I don't want to <laughs> use my knowledge of future events, you know, in, a, in, a, in, an, um, in an irresponsible way. Fair but, enough. Uh, yeah, it, it is weird, though. Like, and I, I did not remember that he won with that submission. And that submission looked like it wasn't a crisp, like, professional-looking, like, Bret Hart-style submission hold. Like, you just, like, grabbed his fucking arm and yanked on it. <laughs> you know what? I've, I feel so weird because you have these real references for what a submission hold looks like. And I'm like, yeah. oh, like Corey Graves does. Like, that's the best I could do. I mean, kind of. Yeah, I, it, it's like... They told a little bit of a story with it because I think, like you said, Bo Dallas was was working on his arm earlier in the match. Yeah. But really, it was just like he got his like Kruger's head under his knee and was like knee locking his neck. Yeah. And then just like yanking on his arm. And it's like that actually looked painful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it thematically fits with where it seems like Bo is going because he definitely, like Dan said, that interview, he was very arrogant, very cocky, and even though he was doing it in sort of a very Bo Dallasy kind of way, yeah, right? it's still different from the kind of shit he was doing before, and he wrestled this match kind of different than he was doing before, and I think they realized Dallas and Kruger, because that was 
a pretty red hot crowd who wanted Bo Dallas to die. Yeah. yeah. There's a great moment where Kruger hits Dallas with the clothesline, covers him, Dallas kicks out, and the crowd starts chanting, you still suck, you uh, still suck. Yeah, they did that a couple of times in the match. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing that's like the chant for, I don't like you, but you did just do something kind of cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Alright, thank you for that breakdown, Bob. What did you think of this episode? Um, okay, I'm trying to recall back, because I watched it two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and then I watched it again, pausing numerous, about every three minutes to write down what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so those are two very different ways to watch it. I think the first time I was sort of like, aww, like it's fun, but it's not as fun as the previous one, because the previous one was batshit crazy. (laughs) I mean, this one had a dance competition. I was going to say, this one had a dance battle. This one wasn't, you know, not batshit crazy. But I guess the other... Also, maybe it's just that I miss William Regal when he's not there. Like, maybe that's my problem. Mm, Yeah, that'll happen. I did enjoy it, but I also felt like I I had too much Bo Dallas on my plate and I wanted less of it. (laughs) That is fair. I wanted, I was happy to have all that Leo Kruger on there, but I was like, ah, who put this Bo Dallas on there? Get that off. (laughs) It's just like, I don't want to eat my vegetables, mom. (laughs) No, like, I don't even hate broccoli, but this, I don't know what this, I don't know what vegetable Bo Dallas is. (laughs) Um, Now I'm just trying to think about what vegetable Bo Dallas would be. Well, let's think about that and more. As we head into the sights, sounds, and feels <laughs> of pro wrestling. The master of the transition. He's a limp carrot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? My elf I saw for just one second, Seth Rollins, and is half of Seth Rollins' hair bleached? Yes. Is this penance for some crime? Was this a shield hazing ritual? (laughs) (laughs) Did he maybe, like, put one eye on the Ark of the Covenant, but not both? (laughs) I think he's, uh, you know, I think he is being punished for the crime of being a pro wrestler in a certain era. Oh, well... (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you've seen him wrestle recently, Bob, but he no longer has half his hair dyed blonde, so... Now he's going with the frosted tips. Oh, jeez. No, No, that's not true. No, No, that's not true. That would be such a a beautiful, like, (laughs) ooh, that in-sync look. (laughs) All right, so, Miles, what did your elf eyes see? So, I'm actually really happy to have both of you on this episode for this thing that I saw, because you're both uh, nerdy theater kids. Mm -hmm. So one thing I really enjoyed during the backstage bit where Enzo and Cass were talking to LaForte and uh, Dawson is that LaForte's kind of doing the like theater extra who has no lines stuff (laughs) like but LaForte is like over here trying to react to the things that Enzo is saying but like doesn't really know how because he doesn't really know what they are. (laughs) 
He's just making all these weird faces until it's time for him to say, I only care about money. Well, you know, sometimes you just got to make a choice. You know, Uh, it's not necessarily the right choice, but it's a choice. I just really enjoyed it crossing over into another one of our shared interests. (laughs) Before I ask Dan his, I did want to say that one of the thoughts I had whenever I was thinking about, like, what am I even going to compare this interaction to? Was that to me, it felt like characters from multiple different plays had been thrust into the same scene together <laughs> and we're like well this is the show now like yeah. and going how do we make a scene out of this it seems like an episode of collaboratory i was just like, about like, to oh, say man. that i brought the redneck i brought the frenchman <laughs> oh man <laughs> i brought these two assholes <laughs> the mcguffin is a photobombing hippie <laughs> <laughs> If you don't understand the references we're making, go listen to an episode of Collaboratory on a Smash Fiction podcast. I recommend Here There Be Dragons. I recommend Ouroboros. Ouroboros is the best one, to be fair. All right, Dan, what did your elf eye see? Yeah, so uh, as has been alluded to, I'm a bit of a theater nerd, so Uh I've done a lot of stage combat in my life. And I'm fairly good, I think, at picking up on the small things that performers in a live staged fight do to, like, make sure that they pull off things safely. Uh And right before Neville did that diving flip out of the ring uh, during his his match with Ambrose, the two of them briefly make eye contact. Mm. And then you see Ambrose, like, shift his body weight and adjust his arms. And I'm like, oh, he's about to do like a flying leap onto this guy. (laughs) And Ambrose is getting ready to catch him. And indeed, that was what happened. Oh, man. Eagle eyes. Yeah, man. Uh, Elf eyes, Bob. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Elf eyes. Have you listened to this show? (laughs) (laughs) Megan, Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? Alex Riley said that Kruger has bad teeth. Uh, Excuse you. His teeth are fine. Indeed, probably some of the better teeth in this promotion. Yeah, I mean, the ones that he has are pretty good. Yeah, it's. I mean, is he even missing that many? I don't think he is. I saw at least one hole in his in his smile. Yeah, but that was for character. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that knocked, one barely even counts. He knocked yeah. it out backstage before the show. <laughs> uh, Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? Also Alex Riley, as it happens. <laughs> uh, the big change on commentary being what it was. At least this is the first time we're hearing Riley uh, call matches in NXT. I thought he was fine. Um, yeah. He was, you know, he was no William Regal, but who is? And, uh, you know, he, he was good. He's, 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 he did, a, he did, a, did, did an okay job. <laughs> you could definitely tell he was, like, trying to do a Will- William Regal, you know, yeah. in, in the way that he's, like, trying to explain what's happening and, like, put you in the position of the wrestler. I, I wonder, like, how much... WWE realized that that really works with William Regal, and so they're, like, encouraging more of their uh, commentators to do that, or... I don't know. Yeah, it, it was just interesting. Dan, what is your Vulcaneers here? Uh, also Alex Riley. Uh, <laughs> this is the following quote that I, I heard and wrote down. Bo Dallas is fantastic. He wouldn't be if he wasn't the NXT champion. So... Obviously, he meant to say, wait, Bo Dallas is fantastic. He wouldn't be the NXT champion if he he wasn't. wasn't. But he said, basically what he said is, Bo Dallas's fantasticness, such as it is, is entirely (laughs) contingent upon him wearing that belt. And as soon as you pull it away, 
it's like he'll he'll just decay away into what he really is. Oh. And I I just found that like introduction into the canon to be I was like, huh, that's interesting. It's kind of true though. <laughs> I guess so. Like the only reason he has this like platform, the only reason he's as like prominent as he is, is because he's the champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Interesting Freudian slip there. Yeah, some some uh, ambiguity into the whole cause and effect <laughs> of uh, the championship and and fantasticness. Oh, fuck off, Bo Dallas. <laughs> well said. And Bob, tell us how you really feel. What did your human heart feel? Okay, so I could yell for an hour about Dean Ambrose, and I almost have. But <laughs> truthfully, a tiny shimmer of pity for Summer Rae because... She obviously did take dance and has some skill in that area. And I didn't uh-huh. want her to win, but I guess I just wanted there to be some recognition of the fact that Summary is talented enough to like do that stuff. And then also talented enough to do wrestling moves and heels. And no one seemed sure. to appreciate that. So it was kind of like, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. fuck Summary, but also like that was pretty cool. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Miles, what did your human heart feel? Well, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, Bob, but uh, so just as a quick explainer, when during the brief moment when Summer Rae is getting cheered, uh, the announcer mentions she's doing the Fandango. Oh, geez. The context for this is that Summer Rae, like Biggie Langston and some other NXT wrestlers, has been making appearances recently on the main roster. Her role on the main roster is with is as the dancing partner. Oh, what? Of a wrestler named Fandango. Oh, okay. And Fandango's whole thing is he's a dancer. Um, his music is the music she was dancing to okay. during that moment. And the little dance that the crowd was doing was is the dance that the crowd does for Fandango. And Fandango was kind of a thing at this particular moment in wrestling and never as much of a thing at any other point. But my human heart felt the proximity of Fandango to an episode that also contained Tyler Breeze Ah. because their story continues to this day. Mm. And uh, I have many feelings about the two of them. And Bob will get to experience that (laughs) a long fucking time from now. All right, Dan, what did your human heart feel? Uh, I felt a great deal of nervousness. During both the uh, Ambrose Neville and the Dallas Kruger match. This wasn't specific to this episode. This is just kind of a general uh, feeling that I get in the rare moments when I watch pro wrestling. Whenever there's a match in which at least one of the competitors is basically just wearing briefs. Mm. I'm convinced that I'm going to see a flash of scrotum at any second. (laughs) So that's just... I got to be true to what I was feeling, you know? Wow. I feel like I've learned a new thing about you. Yeah, well, there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> so was that like, would you describe that feeling as fear, Dan? Or was it more like just just certainty? Um, I would say it's more, it's somewhere between like anxiety and excitement. Because okay. like, it's not a thing that I necessarily want to see. But it also kind of feels like an inevitability, you right. know, it, and it's not something that is like, that would be terrible if I saw it. I guess I'm more just amazed that it hasn't happened yet. It's like <laughs> watching someone playing Jenga and the tower just keeps going 
And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, the laws of physics state that at some point, it's it's just going to ride up a little too high. Like, they're going to yank on it just a little too hard. It's going to go at the wrong angle. And I'm just going to get a flash of scrote. And like... <laughs> So you're impressed more than anything else. I'm just, I'm just bewildered. I think is the is the phrase. I'm like, why has this not happened yet? Like the Fair Jenga enough. tower is floating three feet above the table because you have completely removed the base from it, and yet it continues to climb. <laughs> wow. I I feel like I have never. I don't know. I maybe this has changed the way I watch wrestling now. I, mean, I just yeah yeah. I can't help but think about it. Now, okay, as somebody who has been on stage, and I don't know if you've been on stage in precarious costumes before, but... I have been. Okay, then is it come from a place of kind of anxiety for that person or anxiety for you as a viewer? I guess just, like, anxiety for social conventions as a whole. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like we've... Oh, my God. We've... Like, we've set up all these, you know, social constructs around not seeing each other's private parts. Right. And and these wrestlers just, like, walk right up to that line. And, like, to be fair, I think that, like, uh, laws against public nudity are tremendously overblown <laughs> to yeah. a large extent. And could be safely walked back with very few repercussions. But, like, as they exist now... Right, I do in the context like, of the culture. Yes, in the context of, of the laws that we have established and currently live under, these wrestlers are playing with fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Uh, all right, well, that was the sight, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. <laughs> sight, sounds, and scrotes of pro wrestling. <laughs> the sight, sounds, and scrotes of pro wrestling. <laughs> Uh, no wrestling term of the week this week because we're giving Bob a couple of weeks to handle the one from last episode and because Dan's here and we wanted to talk to him about stuff. So let's move right into the cheap pop quiz. All right, Bob, I've made the questions harder. Yes. You've still picked up a couple. Yeah. We'll see how you do this time around. All right, question number one. I don't know what it is about these tapings, like I said before, but everybody from the main roster is showing up right now on NXT. And that continues into the next episode. We've already seen the tag team champions and the United States champion. Bob, which main roster champion are we going to meet next time? Is it A, the WWE champion? B, the Intercontinental champion? C, the Divas champion? D, both B and C, or E, all of the above. Uh, this is a real eeny meeny miny mo. I because I yeah, do I not know, know who sorry. any of these people would be at this time. <laughs> nope. So no, you don't. Okay, from my practice of choosing what you want to have manifested in the world, I uh-huh. am going to say the Divas Champion because I just think there should be more women. So there you go. All right. I bet it's not, C, though. The Divas Champion. Dan, what do you, do you want to choose? Oh, yeah, Dan, you, you can, uh, if you don't know the answer to these questions, then you can uh, you can guess if you want to. Uh, I do not know. I haven't watched past this episode. Right. Um 
You know, I I think I'm with Bob. I think the Divas Champion makes sense. Like, they've been, you know, kind of uh, trying to up the visibility of their uh, their women wrestlers on this show. And, like, you know, this, this whole dance battle was for a shot at the title. So I think it makes sense for them to bring in the Divas Champion. Oh, see, Dan's answers come from a place of logic. (laughs) I mean, sometimes. (laughs) I mean, logic isn't always right. Right, Right, fair enough. Yeah, we are talking about wrestling. Yes, very true. Question number two. I'll tell you one thing about the answer to that last question. At least one of those champions is accompanied by his or her manager, a legendary figure in wrestling. His name is Paul Heyman. And among his many accomplishments, he was the mad genius behind the upstart ECW promotion that earned a cult following in the late 90s. Bob, what did ECW stand for? Was it A, Eastern Collegiate Wrestling? B, European Commons Wrestling? C, Extreme Championship Wrestling? D, Evil corporate wrestling (laughs) or E, extremely crappy wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what? So Eastern something was the first Eastern Eastern collegiate wrestling. What was B? European commons wrestling. And then C was what? (laughs) Extreme championship wrestling. You know what? That sounds dumb enough to be the right answer. (laughs) Right. Answering C again, Extreme Championship Wrestling. Question number three. Oh, wait, no, I want oh, Dan. Wait, d- Dan. Does Dan know? Oh, I know the answer to oh, this, what? so I will How abstain from this. Because it's a thing. What do you mean? I don't How know. Do- just like, I just pick up knowledge. <laughs> I've been trying to make Dan watch wrestling for a while. Yeah, that's fair. I do feel like I am here, like I'm tuning into a you know late season episode of Dan and Miles' relationship. Yeah, man, we're on like season fifteen of this shit. It's yeah, there's been, <laughs> and this plot thread has been going since like episode one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number three. I'll tell you one more thing about the one or more main roster champions who may or may not be managed by Paul Heyman. At least one of them used to be part of Game Show NXT. Okay, which was the originator of the trend of bizarre NXT names. That continues to this day. Which of the following members of Game Show NXT appears on the next episode under a slightly less stupid name? Is it A, Michael McGillicuddy? Mm, that's good. B, Heath Slater? C, Skip Sheffield? D, Lucky Cannon? Ooh. Or E, Maxine. Just Maxine. No last name. <laughs> I hate Lucky Cannon as a name so much, <laughs> so I'm going to rule that one out. Uh, Skip Sheffield was C, right? Yeah. But I've chosen C already twice. I feel like I you shouldn't have. choose C again for some right. reason. Some strategy being employed by Megan I mean, Mom. sure, let's call it that. Uh, what were A and B again? <laughs> Michael McGillicuddy and Heath Slater. You know what? Heath Slater sounds like a wrestler name. All right. Heath Slater it is. Dan, tell tell us what you think the answer is. Uh, Once again, I have to side with Megan Bob. Uh, I have no logic to base it on this time. I'm going with my heart. 
And uh, it's because I like to think that he his name is Heath Slater because he named himself after two of his favorite actors. All right. Well, we will see what happens on the next episode. And uh, yeah, that's all we got. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, guys. Yeah, no, this this was uh, this was a real treat both to enjoy this this wrestling show that I knew very little about going in, uh, but more so just to talk to you guys about it. Well, Dan, can you also talk to us about uh, what you're doing on the Internet these days? I certainly can. We are uh, releasing this in low the final days of the Smash Fiction podcast. Mm -hmm. Ah. Uh, We have our next and final match coming up. Uh, I believe the day after this drops. That's correct. Uh, which is our Jedi three-way battle between uh, Obi-Wan, Luke Skywalker, and Rey. Uh, the week after that is our Smash Bash, which is our gigantic sort of end-of-season celebration where we bring back a bunch of old characters and have some ridiculous random lightning round <laughs> stuff. Uh, and then our Extraordinary League campaign is going to have a little bit of an epilogue to it. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, that, that show's kind of, uh, you know, kind of wrapping up. We've, we've reached the end game uh, uh. Of, of Smash Fiction. But uh, if you can't get enough of my voice, well, a version of my voice, <laughs> <laughs> you can always go over to Garden Plots with Skeletor, which is uh, my new podcast jam done by me and, of course, Megan Bob. And our good friends, uh, Marissa Bond and my wife, Kit Mulcairin. Uh, it is a podcast in which Skeletor, the main villain from He-Man, hosts a gardening show in which he gives gardening tips slash edicts, uh, yells about things, and uh, is generally, generally tries to uh, conquer Eternia while at the same time maintaining a healthy gardening lifestyle. Uh, it's a little bit of a gardening podcast. It's a little bit of like an actual narrative podcast because there is an ongoing storyline and it's a lot of deep silliness. Bok choy is for those who are prepared. Bok choy is for those who have prepared. I, I feel like those are that's a universal uh, tenet <laughs> that anyone can get and understand. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, Bob and Marissa do a great job writing it. It really just shines with like goofiness and personality. Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy they asked me to be a part of it because it's it's a lot of fun to do. It's really fantastic. I the first episode came out and I ran out and listened to it and I could not stop laughing. So thank you guys for <laughs> Yay! that. Yay! That's all I've ever wanted from what started as a tweet where I went, I just really want to hear Skeletor talk about, you know, picking bugs off his tomatoes. Sure. <laughs> Sometimes you got to be the change you want to see in the world, you know? Yeah, apparently, which is, ah, oh, man, that's tough. You did it, though. I did. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to say, uh, Smash Fiction is coming to an end, but if you are just now finding out about it, uh, it might still be worth subscribing, because while you're going back and listening to our rather voluminous back catalog, you can also take advantage of the content that's going to be coming out on that feed over the course of the next uh, few months, so... Still worth a uh, a follow if you're just now finding out about uh, the Smash Fiction podcast. Oh, it's definitely worth a follow. There are some many, many gems in that back catalog. And then also our actual play has been wildly favorably compared to things like Campaign, which is really, really good and favorably compared to some other actual plays. Adventure Zone and Critical Role are the ones I hear the most. Those are the other ones. It, I, I had a lot of fun with Extraordinary League, and uh, I'm I'm glad that so much of our audience did, too. It's a very fun time, thanks largely to the incredibly uh, 
energetic and weird cast of PCs that we had running through it. So thank you guys for that. Yeah. If you go listen to that, you'll get to hear Miles being Archer from Archer or Nico Minoru from The Runaways and hear me being Luna Lovegood and sometimes Helena from Orphan Black. Yeah, if we were actually going to list all the characters that yeah, we play we over the course of the show, it would... But Miles um, but does play Finn Balor, and it's, it's something. <laughs> you know what? That's as good a place to talk about as any. I do, in fact, portray Finn Balor at a couple of... I think twice yes. uh, during during Extraordinary League. So, yeah, go check that out. A um, couple of housekeeping notes that we wanted to mention. First of all... Uh, New content will be going up on the website, nxtwrestlingfan.com. By the time this is released, there will be uh, some stuff up on the the website. I think I'm going to be able to get the first transcript up, and I think I'm going to be able to get the visual companion for episode seven up. (gasps) Yay! So that should be up there, and also going up on the website very soon, so keep an eye on this, and we'll put it out on social media as well, at nxtwrestlingfan on Twitter and uh, our Facebook page, the NXT Wrestling Fan Podcast. We have uh, some fabulous artwork from a fan of ours, Vladimir Duran, who uh, did a, a just an amazing picture of Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice as a wrestler. Oh, and it's it's so good. Truly tremendous work. Uh, all it's, it's the little things, the small choices, the details that really make it sing to me. But uh, it's truly beautiful. Thank you, Vlad. It's, it's everything Jane Austen could have ever asked for, yeah. I'm sure. I think it's what she would have envisioned. I think if you resurrected Jane Austen and showed it to her, Jane Austen would just look at you quietly and nod like, <laughs> this is what I meant. We just didn't That's have words right. for it. All we had was <laughs> boxing, which is not nearly as good as this. So yeah, keep an eye on NXTWrestlingFan.com for all that content coming your way. And then... Sometime before our next episode, we have something very special that Bob was putting together for you. Yeah, Because she loves you. It's the bonus episode whenever I got to make Miles read a romance novel. And uh, I, guys, you should go read the romance novel. It's uh, The Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. Everyone should read it. Dan, go read it. All right. Oh. I'll, I'll go read it. I don't want to spoil the uh, the bonus episode, but it's extremely good. Yeah. <laughs> This is the uh, the bonus episode that Bob won by getting 10 points on the uh, first round of the Cheap Pop Quiz. So, yeah, sometime before episode 13 of our regular show, look for that bonus episode about The Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. I think you'll really enjoy it. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan, and we will be back with you in two weeks. Bye! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. 
Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. That might be the name of this episode. How Dean Ambrose fucks. <laughs> I mean, with workmanlike competence, one assumes, <laughs> but no real flair. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to simmer down now for my Dean Ambrose. No, I'm just going to talk more about Dean Spicy Ambrose. Spicy hot Dean Ambrose takes. Well, I thought like things, you know, like pumpkin spice is like the things that you f- use to flavor. No, that's not any better, is it? Never mind. In the uh, in the alternate version of Lord of the Rings, like in an alternate universe where the heroes are all pieces of Lambus bread, they eat Hobbit flavored Pop Tarts. Oh, looks like Hobbit flavored Pop Tarts are back on the menu, boys. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I assume anything is like, oh, it's it's what hobbits enjoy. Is it just tastes like weed and mushrooms? <laughs> Not a not a popular flavor at the grocery store. <laughs> I mean, maybe not with you. Oh God! You're like, mmm. What if mushrooms tasted more like dirt? <laughs> <laughs>